Hello and welcome to Mental Awakening, the podcast that explores all topics related to trauma recovery, mental health, chronic pain, and healing. My name is Sarah Dekeely, and this podcast is your fortnightly dose of my expertise within the area of health and well-being. In today's episode, I will continue to talk about the survival archetypes, sharing insights into the empath, the rebel, and the prostitute archetype. I will also speak further about the victim archetype, as I find this archetype to be incredibly influential in how we go about life on a day-to-day basis. Okay, so let's get started. Um, I'm sitting here yet again on a Saturday morning with my coffee. It feels good to slowly ease my way into the day. I, I simply love the feeling of waking up and taking my time to really appreciate my, my beverage. You know, there's something magical about taking in everything from the smell to the taste, even holding my cup with both hands and just simply allowing myself to be here. And it was really lovely to do that just for a few minutes before starting this recording. So in the last episode, I introduced you guys to the concept of archetypes. I spoke about the victim and the martyr archetypes. And if you haven't listened to that episode, I suggest that you do that before you continue with this one. Now, before I start sharing about the nature of the empath, um, the rebel and the prostitute archetypes, I would like to speak a little bit more about victim consciousness and the victim archetype. For For many of us, I mean, if not the majority uh, of people actually do have this archetype. It's a big part of the survival archetypes. And there are few archetypes as pervasive and deeply entrenched into our cultural identity than the victim. Um, Everyone can relate to the victim. We also love to root for the underdog, the disadvantaged. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean, I come from a background such as that myself, but I believe that a big part of our fascination with this archetype and our cultural attachment to it is the desire for transformation, for personal empowerment, because within the victim, there is the victor, the victor as in that self-empowerment, that strength that we all are looking for and deeply desiring. All victims usually are entitled. That's when you see that sense of entitlement in people or even experience it yourself. That comes from this victim consciousness. And it can take sometimes a little while to really see your own sense of or recognize your own sense of entitlement or even transform it even if you're aware of it. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's an incredibly empowering thing to do. So often... um, our observation of our parents during childhood and their belief systems and their victim consciousness that contributes towards how we take this on ourselves. And it's definitely um, something that gets deeply ingrained within us. Things like illness, injury, and disease can make us feel like a victim to our body, feeling that you have no control. Um, whether it's over your body or over your healing or that your body has failed you and you can't seem to come to terms with with what's happening to you, that's victim consciousness. This is especially the case for people who experience chronic pain and TMS and chronic illness. 
I know this was definitely the case for me, where you feel like you have no choice, you're trapped in this body that is in constant state of pain. There is uh, a constant feeling that you're being victimized to the conditions around you, whether it's other people, whether it's food, whether it's finances, because I mean, money is another major villain for a lot of people, the lack of money, feeling victimized by debts that you might have or fear of not having money. You can also feel victimized by how others expect you to help them with finances, you know, carrying that financial burden. Um, so it's a really good place to observe your victim, the relationship that you have with money. Um, your job as well can be a good source of victimization. You can be really unhappy in your job or feel powerless to change anything and believing that your sense of security and income, you know, is very much linked in to this particular job, feeling like you can't live without it. You can't live with less or maybe do a job that you, you actually do enjoy and you just earn a bit less, you know. We can also feel victimized based on our gender, you know, sometimes thinking that because you're a man, um, life is more difficult or because you're a woman, life is more difficult. A lot of different organizations, including religion, um, religious organizations can contribute towards this victim mentality. If you're required to be a good member, if you're not, then often your soul or your personal salvation is on the line, which is a form of manipulation but that's kind of how we can feel victimized we can also feel victimized based on our government or the laws um, that we feel are unjust um, experiences such as losing your child in a custody battle and feeling really angry and resentful towards the law we can feel this victim consciousness creeping in based on our obsession with the body Anything from being overweight or underweight or aging or um, having um, your body look a certain way or whatever it could be. Um, there's also uh, a sense of shame that can come with this victim mentality because, you, you know, when we don't fit in and if we're not careful, there's a tendency to think that you have to be ashamed of who you are or what you want because you don't fit in to the norm. You know, you don't fit into this cultural stereotype. Um, and that's often quite damaging. It can make you feel like a victim uh, based on how others perceive you. Another way this victim consciousness creeps in is through um, expectations and obligations and even just making your health condition or whatever your challenge is the center of attention um, so you can almost become a perpetrator because you're putting a lot of what's happening for you onto the people around you. It's not very common but it does happen and um, also feeling like you are constantly beating yourself up speaking harshly regarding yourself. There's almost the self-loathing. Um, it's a very unkind way of perceiving yourself. It's like a belief that I'm never going to get what I want um, because there's something wrong with me. I'm never going to get what I want because I'm stuck in this situation. 
no matter what solutions are available, they're never going to choose the way out because it's just so comfortable to be the victim. As painful as it can be, there's almost like a an attachment to that victim consciousness. And I know that I've definitely been in that myself where I would blame everything outside of myself as a way to feel disempowered, continue to feel disempowered, not take responsibility. Or I would blame everything inside of myself to feel that way. So you either blame external circumstances or you blame yourself. And this is the way the ego holds you back, holds you back from growth and keeps you in a state of survival and fear. I'll give you guys a very small example because this can creep in even after you've become very aware of it and after you've spent years working on it. The um, other week, my husband, he loves to buy all of all kinds of treats. He loves eating ice cream. He loves eating chocolate. He loves to have all that stuff in the house for when he feels like having it. And he has wonderful self-control around it. And I do too. But when I do have um, a tiring day or I've worked a lot and I have not self-cared perhaps on that day, then what I tend to do is reach for these comfort foods. So I said to him, look, I don't want you buying these things. I just don't think we should have them in the house anymore because it's much harder for me to remain abstinent from, you know, for, from the constant sugar rush uh, if it's in the house. And he said to me, so you're expecting me to deprive myself of something that I want because of your lack of control, self-control. And I felt... I felt really, you know, I would kind of looked at him like, that's so harsh. That means, you know, you, you, you don't care about me. I'm not important to you. That was the first thought that came to my mind. But because I have this awareness of the victim consciousness, I soon quickly realized that, wait a minute, I'm not taking responsibility for my will, for my willpower to say no to something that I don't want to eat. I mean, I love treating myself and I always do but I guess to the extent that I had been I just didn't want it to be turned into a bad habit and I realized that wait a minute I'm actually making him out to be the problem when the problem is in fact my lack of willpower I'm not taking responsibility and owning the fact that I can do this I don't need anything in the house to be different I don't need anything to be different in terms of what choices someone else makes because it all comes down to my choices and my ability to say no or yes to whatever I feel aligns with my truth. And this is how we find our power. This is how we tap into our strength, not by remaining codependent on others, not by, you know, depending on them to change or circumstances to change so that we can change. We actually create the circumstances based on our choices, based on our beliefs, based on our decisions. I remember many years ago uh, when I was working in a job where I felt incredibly unsatisfied and unfulfilled. I was so caught up in this victim mentality that I'm never going to find anything else. I'm never going to be paid as good. And it wasn't until I decided to break away from that and sit with the discomfort 
of all the fears that would come up. I mean, I spent the first year of my business, I earned bugger all money. <laughs> we lived on very little. And I also, you know, I had to just cut a lot of the expenses. Life wasn't easy. And I had to live in a way that was very humble. But it strengthened me. It taught me so much about my ability to sit with discomfort, to actually move towards what I really wanted to create. And I did. I created something that I'm incredibly proud of, that I love to show up for. And so if we're always running away from discomfort, whether it's physical discomfort, whether it's mental discomfort, emotional discomfort, then we're never going to grow. We're never going to build resilience. It's, it's really about choosing what you're willing to put up with. Are you willing to put up with a life that feels incredibly disempowering and it feels like you're not really in charge because of this victim consciousness? Or are you willing to say to yourself, you know what, I'm a creator of my life. I'm going to choose what I want to do with my life and I'm willing to sit with the discomfort of what that journey entails. And so I really believe that the way to get out of this victim mentality is to, first of all, recognize it and then embrace the discomfort that comes with moving out of it. So just to quickly recap, we can experience this victim consciousness and victim mentality based on our circumstances, other people's actions, entitlement to sympathy, attention, complaining, you know, um, victim to internal programming and stories, um, judgmental and superior, victim to demands, you know, feeling like you're entitled to inaction or you're entitled to be afraid, you're entitled to be rescued, right? Um, we can feel victimized uh, based on loneliness, you know, self-hatred, blaming whatever it could be, uh, taken advantage of or overworked, used and abused and rejected. And there's all kinds of ways this victim mentality creeps in, you know, victim to your own in inadequacies and lack of confidence or to a perceived lack of intelligence or irresponsibility victim to the influences around us, whatever it could be, whether it's our government, whether it's what, whatever's going on in the news, victim to scarcity. Um, there's all kinds of ways to feel victimized. I want to acknowledge, like I did in episode one, that the concept of victim is real. People do get victimized for sexual abuse, victimized for violence, victimized for sexism and all kinds of things, right? For racism. But once we have worked through our traumas, once we have processed them, healed them, then the next step is to also step away from the archetypes, these survival archetypes that we have held on to as a way to cope, as a way to survive. It doesn't serve us to hold on to these archetypes despite having processed our traumas because then what happens is we keep reliving them. We keep holding on to an old narrative about ourselves that is no longer real, that isn't what's happening right now. It's just how you see yourself. It's just how you're perceiving your life. 
when when you're really fully embedded in this mentality, there can be a strong pull towards addictive behavior, a need to constantly distract yourself, whether it's with TV, um, social media, alcohol, porn addiction, you name it. It can be anything, right? Even workaholism. There's a withdrawal from others, a tendency to to lean towards inaction and be quite passive or even domination and control. You know, you get angry if someone told you that you're in a thinking with a victim mentality that might just react and and defend. Um, there's often feelings of frustration, guilt, shame, worthlessness, and chronic pain, which I work with on a day-to-day basis, TMS, all of these issues are very much connected to these belief systems, especially the victim mentality. I'm a victim of my situation. So this is the shadow victim storyline. It's not my fault. This always happens to me. No one understands me. I don't have a choice. What am I supposed to do? Um, There's no other way. People don't understand. This, This is the way the victim thinks. The victim can also think in incredibly self-punishing ways where everything is their fault and, yeah, just be very unkind towards themselves. So incredible expectations on the self or on other people that are never met, hence repeated feelings of disappointment. So it takes a lot of heavy weight to hold down all of these raging emotions that come from anger, from feelings of victimization. Uh, this is this is what happens. This is what contributes to body to the body being in that state of tension. I mean, how do you expect not to experience chronic pain of any kind when there are these kind of thoughts and belief systems? going through your mind and your body because you can't separate the mind from the body all day long. The shadow of the victim is always to feel worthless and powerless, always to feel stuck. To enlighten the victim, to move away in many ways from this archetype is to feel the fear. Feel the fear and not run away from it. It's the first step to transforming the victim. Finding your personal power The way to do that is not blaming others because you can see that the power, the loss of the power is actually coming from inside of you. So an enlightened victim asks, what can I do with the situation that I have been given? What can I do? This is a great scene um, in the movie, The Lord of the Rings, where Frodo is feeling victimized by the fact that the ring of power has come to him and he says to, he says to Gandalf, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish this never happened. And then Gandalf says to him, so do all who live to see such times, but it, that is just not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides the will of evil. Bilbo was meant to find the ring, in which case you were also meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. So Gandalf shows Frodo where his true power lies, that there's something in life that's not for us to decide, but what we can decide is what we do with what we have been given. Not with what happens, but what we do with what happens. There's a lot of different movies. If you look at Gladiator, 
Um, there's another example from there, or Viktor Franklin's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Absolutely love that book. Highly recommend it. If you go to the Mental Awakening website under resources, you will find that book. Another way to heal and move away from this victim archetype is to embody the mother within yourself, the mother archetype. So what does the mother stand for? It stands for nurture. It stands for unconditional love. It stands for compassion and kindness. And obviously I'm talking about the ideal nature of a mother and not necessarily the mother that you had. Um, and so this requires us to take a sense of responsibility for ourselves uh, by looking after our own needs and nurturing ourselves through the anxiety that comes up whenever we're trying to blame another or rescue and save another. So when you're awakening to this victim consciousness, you're not afraid of being weak. You're not afraid of being vulnerable because you see that as a strength. You know that power can be found even in the worst circumstances. You're not afraid of loss. I mean, gosh, in my life, I've been through so much loss, so many tragedies, suffering, failure. I've started businesses and failed. I've done so many things and failed. And these mis misfortunes have all taught me that the vulnerability I experienced is, a, is my strength. It's a keystone of my strength because it allowed me to discover the different kinds of power within myself. So a couple of questions to ask yourself. What do I have power over in this situation? Whatever your situation is, whether it's health, whether it's relationships, whether it's finances, whatever, your career. What would it feel like to lean towards fear rather than push it away and what if I said yes instead of no to whatever's in front of me what thoughts am I believing about the situation that's keeping me continuously disempowered how could compassion shift my perception of what's happening right now in my life if your challenge is chronic pain, health-related issues such as TMS, such as chronic illness, I completely resonate. I want you to know that I know what it's like to wake up with pain, live with pain every single day for years and years. I'm talking decades. So another thing I want to add around that is noticing the ways in which you withhold approval from your body because that's, that's the thing with the victim consciousness. We withhold approval for our, from our bodies because it's not the way that we want it to be. So ask yourself, how do you feel when your body doesn't look, feel, or perform as you believe it should? Pay attention to your inner criticism. As the owner of this body, how do you relate to it? What do you say to it? What messages are you giving to it? Maybe... It's just a conditional way of looking at it. As long as your body works well and it looks good, then you might love it or you might, you know, be okay with it. But when you're engaged in a lifelong battle with your body, judging, punishing, hating, telling it, I don't approve of you, withholding approval, it's like depriving your body of your love and your acceptance and then still expecting it to respond to that treatment. It doesn't work. It really doesn't work. It actually makes you feel worse because as I've said it many times, 
um, to those of you who have had sessions with me. At our core, we are energetic beings. When there is an energetic imbalance, there's naturally an imbalance on a physical level. There's a great quote by Caroline Miss, who's written quite a bit um, about the power of archetypes and how they influence our lives. She is an incredible teacher whom I've learned a great deal from. She says, let go of how you thought your life should be and embrace the life that is trying to work its way through your consciousness. What does that mean? Well, besides the obvious, she's basically saying that everything that's happening to us is teaching us, is awakening us. It's a gateway towards growth and awakening. And yes, we all get tired of that journey. We all get exhausted. But that's when you rest. You don't give up. You don't quit. You rest and then you keep moving forward. And that's how you eventually get to a place of recognizing how incredibly resilient and powerful you are. A really good way to shed um, conscious awareness on these survival archetypes, particularly this really debilitating victim consciousness and victim mentality, is through psychotherapy and counseling. When you work with a therapist who has this level of experience and awareness, it can really support you in breaking away from patterns of thinking, patterns of believing, and patterns of behaving that are limiting you, limiting your growth, and limiting you in living a life that will align you with your authentic self, with your authentic power, and with your authentic truth. Okay, so let's move on to the empath. Um, I want to talk about the empath because this is another big one. I know for me, being an empath in my life has been my weakness and my strength in many ways. It became my strength once I became conscious of it. And once I realized that I can be an empathic person without necessarily being a bleeding empath. So what is a bleeding empath? My mom was a bleeding empath. And God bless her. I love her um, to the moon and back. She has been one of my life's greatest teachers. She taught me through her own example to, you know, raise my empathy level to the extreme. So I learned from a very young age to care deeply for people to the point where I would get incredibly caught up in their stuff, in their problems, in their needs and whatever they were going through. In my earlier um, years of, you know, working in this field, um, I had no boundaries with clients. I took on their stuff, you know. I would cry with them. I would try and save them. I would try and rescue them. And although being giving, you know, being caring, being intuitive, all of those things are wonderful qualities, and I wouldn't change them for the world, when they're taken to an extreme, we end up ignoring aspects of our authentic self. So my capacity to have empathy for my clients, to help them feel validated, understood, and held, that's wonderful, right? But when that's taken to the extreme of needing to save them, you know, that's when it becomes painful. That's when it becomes hurtful. Because what happens is that I'm actually self-sacrificing. Um, and the way to know whether this resonates with you, this particular archetype, is to ask yourself, when you're listen to someone else's pain, someone else's challenges, 
Do you have this need to want to alleviate their suffering? Are you willing to help them at any cost? Um, is there no boundaries between you and them? And I'm not talking about not having compassion for people or holding space for them because that's absolutely key. I mean, it's a wonderful thing if we can do that for others when they're in pain or when they're struggling. Um, I'm referring to when we make it our responsibility to take care of their well-being. It's almost like if I can do anything to make them feel better, I would do it. Or um, it becomes almost like an expectation that it's my job to make them feel better. Even when we try and protect another person or prevent them from getting upset and angry by speaking our truth, that's, again, self-sacrificing. That's withholding our power. That's taking on the responsibility of their emotions, their reactions, their, you know, explosions, as opposed to allowing them to experience whatever they need to experience for their growth. I'll give you an example. Many years ago, I would spend... I'm talking since, you know, pretty much my teenage years, I would always spend my money on other people, buying, buying presents for friends, buying presents for family members, putting in a lot of thought and consideration into what I could give them, you know, something that they needed, something they wanted, something that would be good for them. And yet I would not get the same consideration back in return. They would not consider what I might want or need. And yet I would put so much energy and emphasis into creating something or buying something that would make them feel better. And I would always feel disappointed and resentful. So that's usually that empath archetype, you know. I felt like it was my job to rescue them out of their pain and suffering as opposed to respecting their pain as a gateway, an opportunity for them to tap into their own strength. There's also the um, inability to clearly state your needs without feeling guilty and often feeling quite hurt when people don't appreciate you or validate you. But the biggest thing is, is the lack of boundaries, you know, not being able to say no because you're afraid of, you know, experiencing some kind of conflict the inability to tolerate conflict, the desire to have other people need you and depend on you, um, the tendency to be super giving, you know, super helpful. These things that just very much stem from the empath to, to give at this excessive level that comes from their own inner lack. Usually what happens is that they're not aware of the shadow aspect of themselves which is that narcissistic perception of really loving to be needed, loving to be in demand, loving to be uh, seen as better than the others, the good one, you know. This is how the ego ramps this stuff up. Because, you know, the, all of these survival archetypes that I've been talking about, they're the, the many faces of, of the ego. So how does the empath heal itself? Well, it begins with changing the internal script. It begins with learning how to receive, realizing that your worth is not in what you give. It's in who you are. It's in implementing boundaries, you know, and being honestly yourself. 
instead of trying to be seen a certain way, you know, as a way to feel good about yourself. One of the greatest teachers in my life, besides my parents, has been my husband. And relationships in general, I've learned a great deal about myself within relationships because they often mirror back where we're at within ourselves. And the various challenges and feelings of discomfort and pain that I've experienced um, you know, in relationships has shown me to focus more on where the explosion happens as opposed to what the trigger is. And I'm referring to the explosion within myself. So as an empath, I would give a lot and then I would feel incredibly resentful when I wouldn't get the same in return. I would feel disappointed. I would give a lot to my husband and then I wouldn't get the same back because for him, there was no need to give a lot. He knew his, his sense of worth. He felt confident and worthy from within. He didn't feel that he had to please me in order for me to love him. He just loves himself exactly for who he is. Whereas I came from the approach of my job is to please you so that you will love me and your job is to please me so that I will love you. And this became a very long battle. And it was a hard pattern to break. It still creeps in sometimes where I have to go, you know what? I am not responsible for his well-being. He's not responsible for my well-being. Our job is not to please each other. Our job is to come into this union, this relationship from a place of authenticity, from a place of being truly ourselves. You can have an, a relationship that is empowering as opposed to disempowering. And I'm referring to the relationship with yourself, which in turn will also be reflected in the relationship that you have with others. I actually had to go through a period of grief from not getting what I wanted, from always being disappointed and feeling resentful. And I knew that a lot of that stuff, I mean, I realized that a lot of it was because of my childhood wounds. Caroline Miss talks a lot about woundology, you know, the wounds that we carry. And it was incredibly eye-opening for me to see that my power always lies within myself. And I can reject that power that's what the victim does. That's what the empath does. That's what the survival archetypes do. We reject power as a way to connect, as a way to survive, as a way to feel like others will love us, others will accept us. Um, we can have what we want in life, but it's an illusion. It's not real power. Okay, so we're now going to move to the rebel, the rebel archetype. This is a very interesting archetype. I see this a lot in in a lot of the clients that I work with, including something that I also had very strongly within myself. It's it's all about pushing against the the rules, the family members, the workplaces, the government institutions, the bosses, the loved ones. The rebellion is very personal and can also creep in when you set personal goals for yourself, such as meditating every day or journaling or eating healthier or whatever it could be. So there are a lot of ways where this rebellious archetype and behavior kicks in. This rebel archetype is looking to break out from some kind of controlling force in their lives. It provides a sense of empowerment 
even though it's not very empowering. That's kind of that false idea that I'm, I'm empowered by rebelling. They've often been raised with a lot of rules, a lot of structure, you know, that authoritarian figures. So the need to fight back against this controlling force is, is really important for the rebel archetype. The shadow of this rebel archetype can be pretty selfish, which means that it's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about, it's, it's almost like a little kid being rebellious, even though they're an adult now, they're still in their psyche and consciousness acting as a child. So when the inner child within us is wounded, then there's a couple of things that ends up happening that contaminate our lives. One of those things is that we end up acting out or acting in behaviors that are self-destructive and unhelpful. And that's where the rebel archetype comes in. Interestingly enough, the rebel is very connected to the victim archetype. I mean, these survival archetypes are all connected and we usually tend to carry more than just one. But the way it works is that you might feel incredibly victimized at work. You might be caving in or giving in to what you do at work, but then you might completely act out in a different area of your life where you can be the rebel and feel empowered. You might um, experience this sense of disempowerment and victimization at home, feeling that the other person has to change in order for you to be able to be happier or in order for you to be able to implement healthier boundaries. And so in order to find their power, what happens is that the victim rebels. So the victim becomes the rebel. They act out or they act in. And so by act in, I'm referring to behavior that is self-punishing. So we punish ourselves the way that we were punished in childhood, saying things like, oh, I'm such a klutz, I'm such an idiot. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? There's a lot of um, negative self-talk. So emotional energy that is acted in can cause severe physical and mind-body related disorders, such as the typical ones that people tend to experience, gastrointestinal disorders, headaches, backaches, neck, neck aches, severe muscle tension, um, asthma, cancer even, you know, because when you attack yourself from within, you will lay down the foundations for illness to occur in the body. That's how connected and powerful the mind-body connection actually is. I talk a great deal about this in my book, Coming to Life, where I share about my own experiences with autoimmune disorder and how it was pretty much a should disease, how I continued to should myself into this illness. And there's a lot more to say about that, uh, which I discovered after having written the book, but that's another story. So just to um, share a few final notes on the rebel archetype, um, I'm going to give you guys examples from my own life. So as a rebel, I always had problems with um, authoritarian figures in various workplaces. I just I hated following the rules. It's almost like I was provoking them to somehow get rid of me, which in turn would also feed that victim mentality that I had at the time. And the truth is that no one was imposing anything on me. 
I was the one with unresolved childhood-related issues coming from this mentality of, you know, being incredibly selfish. And there's almost like a sense of entitlement that I have to take back what is mine, you know? That's what the rebel does. I'm going to take back my power. There are obviously um, positive aspects to the rebel. If we look at rebellious characters throughout history, from Nelson Mandela to Martin Luther King or Gandhi, you know, they were men that eventually realized that they were responsible for a certain set of values. They upheld virtues such as compassion, tolerance, nonviolence. They believed in a higher ideal generated by the creative force of the universe, you know. So when we are acting from the power of this rebel archetype, we use it as a reason to move forward, to move society forward. But obviously this is very rare because I'm talking about individuals that became incredibly conscious throughout their suffering. The average person with this rebellious mentality doesn't really have the same level of awareness and consciousness to often do good. Their behavior stems from growing up with authoritarian parents who were very controlling and constantly told them what to do. They never felt that they had a sense of freedom or space as children. There was often a lack of boundaries. And so a way to get their power back is by taking on this rebellious archetype. And all of this stuff happens unconsciously, right? This is not stuff that we actually consciously choose. The majority of our choices in life comes from this unconscious part of our brain. It's a bit like that iceberg theory where you've got the tip of the iceberg and that's your conscious mind and then you've got the rest of the iceberg which is this large chunk underwater and that's your unconscious mind the parts of yourself that you're not fully aware of so by nature the rebel is an outcast they actually cast themselves out of established norms so the way to break away from this rebel archetype is to come back to the wisdom that the rebellion is an inner upheaval. So when you realize that it's got everything to do with your self-growth, then you'll be breaking into new creative potential that you never realized existed within you. So let's move on to the last archetype that I want to talk about today, which is the prostitute archetype. This archetype has so much to do with survival. I mean, they all do, but, you know, when I'm talking about the term prostitute, you have to understand that I'm referring to what that word actually stands for. So it really refers to not compromising your body, your mind, and your spirit, your energy, for anything in exchange for your survival. It basically has this vibrational field that says, I am for sale. It engages in, in lessons that are related to sale or negotiation of your integrity, of your spirit, due to fears of physical survival or financial gain. So if you're doing a job that you don't want to do, but you're doing it because of your, because of your money, you're, you know, you're selling yourself out to something, whether it's an organization or a place of work, 
or whatever it is, something you've chosen to do that you don't truly believe in, that's an example of this archetype controlling your existence. It can also be, you know, staying in a situation that offered you financial protection because of a desire for financial security um, or putting another person in a position of having to compromise themselves as a way to gain power over that person, which happens often, you know, if you look at employers can sometimes do that with people. The thing with this archetype is that it really holds you in fear, in a complete state of fear, because there's a constant focus on survival. There is no faith, no belief in anything beyond, um, I guess, what you can see or what you can do yourself. There's a disconnection from being or seeing yourself as part of this greater whole, part of the universe, basically. Feeling loved, feeling like there's more to you than just this physical body. I got a really good taste of this in my own life. I would sell myself out. So my morals, my integrity, my intellect, my words, you know, sometimes even my body in the, you know, in the name of receiving love from another, attention from another, especially in my youth, for the sake of financial or physical security. This prostitute archetype so dramatically embodies and tests the power of our faith. Because if you have faith, even if you don't have faith in a God or in a universe, if you have faith in yourself, no one can buy you. No one can have power over you in any way. So it's really about activating faith and recognizing that if you don't sit with the discomfort of that fear, you're never going to get out of these survival archetypes. Each one of these archetypes represents concerns, issues, fears, vulnerabilities that cause us to negotiate away our, our power in this physical world. And we have to confront them and overcome them in order to find our authentic power. There are literally hundreds of different archetypes. And as I mentioned in episode one of the survival archetypes, they can be positive, so they're not all negative as such. But the survival archetypes can be incredibly disempowering and limiting in how we go about our lives. Some other ones that I haven't mentioned, which you're more than welcome to look into, are also the controller archetypes, the perfectionist, you know, the helicopter, the tyrant, the shield. We also have takers, you know, the diva, the princess, the child. I mean, several of them can be relevant for you in your life, not just one. I know for me, princess archetype was very relevant for me at one point in my life where I kept thinking that the only way I could survive this life was to have a man who would financially support me and that's how I would feel like a you know safe it was a false sense of safety I realized that you know what this is taking my power away I'm now in a place in my life where I feel a lot more empowered mentally physically emotionally financially spiritually and although I'm sure there's going to be, you know, my life is a constant journey of learning and teaching, 
and things can come up suddenly, you know, karmic experiences, situations uh, where I may be challenged again and forever, right? But the point is that I would meet those challenges and I continue to meet my challenges from a place of authenticity and empowerment, self-empowerment, away from these survival archetypes. That's why I feel quite passionate about them and that's why um, I'm spending so much time talking about them. Before I wrap up today's episode, I just want to say that healing happens in stages. So I really encourage you to embrace wherever you're at on your healing journey and to highlight that the whole point of this podcast is to bring awareness and to shed light on topics and information that can support you on your healing journey. All right, everyone. Well, that's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate your support. Please do feel free to leave me a review on Apple Podcast. Um, this will help me reach more people uh, with the content that I'm sharing. And if you have any questions about today's podcast or any suggestions for future podcasts, you can email me on sarah at mentalawakening.com.au. Otherwise, I look forward to speaking to you guys again in two weeks' time with a brand new topic. Until then, I wish you all a wonderful rest of the week. Take care, everybody. Bye for now.